0: Stephen, what is the most important takeaway you want people to hear from this show today?
1: The most important takeaway that I want people to take away from this show is that in the absence of a rite of passage, boys are going to prove their manhood to themselves. And that's why it's every father's responsibility, because he is the primary example of what it means to be a man in a boy's life it's every father's responsibility to tell his son at the appropriate age son i just want you to know i no longer consider you to be a boy but in my eyes i see you as a man now and that if every father in this country did that for their sons then this country and this world would be a much better place because boys would not need to prove their manhood to anybody else
0: here's the million dollar question how do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question in this podcast. will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to the Fallible Nation. You guys make these podcasts possible and a warm welcome to our first time listeners. My name is Brent and today my special guest is author, father and advocate, Stephen Arms. Stephen, welcome to the show. Brent,
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, Stephen, I'm not into big intros because I get to research you before the show, but accolades don't mean a lot of things to our listeners. So in your own words today, in this moment, who is Stephen Arms, right?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Stephen Arms. I am a husband and a father. And a follower of Christ. I was born and raised in California. I spent the first 25 years of my life there and then met my beautiful bride to be when I was 25 years old and moved up to Oregon to pursue my relationship with her. And we were married in 2018. And now we have two beautiful children. Our daughter is three years old and our son is one, just about to turn two here. So we definitely have our hands full, but. Having children is a blessing, and I consider myself to be a, a very wealthy man in that regard.
0: See, can I ask what do you what do you do for a living right now?
1: Professionally, I actually work as an engineer in the heating and air conditioning business. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Engineering is a feat, man. There's, it's a lot to that. So, wow.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know God gave me this, you know, kind of technical, I mind i'm always trying to think about how things work and how to take things apart i you know i've been like that ever since i was a kid legos were all i ever wanted from about four years old to probably 14 years old is you just got me legos for christmas i was a happy boy
0: my daughters are getting more and more into legos i have to keep reminding them it's like okay if i step on one it's going in the trash So mind, mind your sets They're they're starting to put together the pre-built sets that you see at the store. Yeah. And Lego is proud of those. Wow. (laughs) Steven, I, I like to get to know our guests. So tell us something just absurd you like to do.
1: Something absurd I like to do. I love to work out. So I actually kind of built out my garage into a gym and i'm really into rowing and cycling i also i have this machine it's called a ski erg so it mimics the cross-country skiing motion really gets your core your triceps and actually last year i set the world record in the 100 kilometers on the the ski erg It's, it's about a six and a half hour event But I saw the record posted online and I was like, you know what? I think I could beat that. So one day I woke (laughs) up, woke up at 5 AM, was on the ski erg by 6 AM. And then by about noon that day, I was a world record holder. My wife said, you're crazy. I don't know why you do this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I'm not going to argue with you. I am crazy, but I just, I love that kind of stuff. I love pushing my body and trying to test the limits of what I can do physically.
0: Okay. Wow. That's, that's very cool, man. World record holder. It's funny. It's funny that people, people don't think about things like there's somebody who has a record in almost everything you do. Right. We yeah. we like to measure those accomplishments. So I never would have thought of doing it on the ski Oregon. I've been on one of those once and I really would not do six hours on it. You are crazy. <laughs> Just yeah, I, I saw all the records for the shorter events, you know, the 2000
1: meters, the 5000 meters, and it was like, I'm nowhere close to those times. But once you start getting that to the 100K, then a lot of people aren't interested in, in competing that anymore. So I was like, you know what, I think I can do this.
0: That's because that's a special brand of torture. That's <laughs> yeah, well, you said absurd, right? That's absurd. <laughs> that is, that is, but that's a very cool fact. Steven, so what purchase of $100 or less have you made in the last year that's had the most impact on your life?
1: Well, I'm going to stretch the limits. I actually just bought a, a new Garmin it's type, kind of like a Fitbit watch. Um, it was 150 bucks, but they do have a 99 model. So I could have got the cheaper one. But what I love about this is that it'll track your sleep. So it'll tell you, you know, how many hours of REM sleep you got. And then it'll also track your resting heart rate. So if if I'm going through a cold or, you know, if I've had COVID a couple of times now, it'll show you, you know, how your resting heart rate increases when you're sick. I love that kind of data, you know, being able to track my, my heart rate and my sleep quality. So for me, that's been a really cool purchase that I've gotten
0: the last year. It's like you have an engineering mind or something, Data. Weird. <laughs> so weird. I, I laughed. One of my best friends is a, I'm not even sure what the right word is. He's in a software engineer. And uh-huh. so like he lives on data, dude. Like he's, he's got three watches strapped to him and he's got things monitoring everything. And there is never too big of a data set. he data, data, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, engineers. I know these people. Yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Now guys. It's just how
1: we're wired, man. It's just the way that God made us. <laughs>
0: Guys, we're going to spend some time, uh, understanding what this conversation is really about as we get into rites of passage, but for a minute, I want to have a heart to heart with you guys and just share with you a little something special from our new sponsor. One thing I usually don't share is how impactful the podcast has been for me personally, there's a lot I love and appreciate because I have the podcast. I become somebody who can approach people easier. I have a better network of people to call upon when I need them. I get to meet new people all the time from all walks of life and all over the globe and connect with them at a deeper level and i have a voice to do what i love i'm always put into situations where i'm having to stretch and learn something new i've really grown as a person and a professional since i started doing my podcast and that was even before my show really started growing i hired a company called grow your show who's our sponsor by the way and i wanted to share them with you The owner Adam has one of the very best podcasts for teaching you how to be a podcaster. I honestly wish I had found it sooner. One thing that they've done to help me is to bring me to a much larger listener base so that my voice is being heard around the world. There's a good chance. In fact, that they helped us connect, but they also do editing and post-production. They can even help you launch and start your podcast, which could really help you in your business or whatever you're trying to achieve. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. I love to share great people and companies that I believe in that I use personally. So that's grow your show at GrowYourShow.com. I have a link in the show notes. And if you have a podcast or you want to start a podcast or you're thinking about it, just scroll down there, click that link and go work with my friend, Adam. He's going to treat you right. All right, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. I love grow your show. Adam and his team are amazing. They are a company with incredible integrity. So. Thanks for listening and check them out if you're interested in podcasting. Now, Steven, for people who aren't familiar with the term, what is a rite of passage?
1: So in our context, a rite of passage is an event that a boy can look back on in his life and know that was the moment that I became a man. When we look at other cultures, we see these rites of passage around the age of 13, these coming of age ceremonies. The most well-known is probably the jewish bar mitzvah that's the ceremony in the jewish faith where a boy can achieve the status of man another example would be the the walkabout in aboriginal australian society and in that rite of passage a boy is sent off into the wilderness for three to six months at a time to survive on his own and when he comes back he's no longer considered to be a boy But he's considered to be a man of the tribe, and he's eligible for marriage. And modern Western society doesn't really have an equivalent coming-of-age event. And so that's one reason why our family in this book, we advocate for fathers to hold a rite of passage for their sons.
0: Okay. And guys, just—I so didn't throw it out there right at the beginning— we're actually going to be talking about milestone to manhood and we're going to get deeper into the book as we go, but I just want to set the stage because you need to understand the core behind what this is, because the book is about a Christian rite of passage for 13 year old boys and it's incredible as a great blueprint, like I said, we'll tell you more about it as we go, but we got to understand the basis of it. Steven, why do you think we don't see rites of passage as a normal part of life? as often in the rest Western and modern world?
1: That's a good question. I think that we don't have rites of passage today. I think it was a victim of the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there were a lot of good things that came from the Industrial Revolution. You know, you and I are talking here on a computer one state away from each other. You know, that's none of that would have been possible without the Industrial Revolution, but one, one downside of it was that it kind of broke up the nuclear family right so before the whole family would work together on the farm or the whole family would work together in the smith shop right that's why we have people with the last name of smith because their whole family were smiths if your dad was a a blacksmith the son would become a blacksmith but with the industrial revolution boys were left boys were sent off to school and dad was sent off to work in a factory so there wasn't this as much time spent together as a nuclear family. And I think that's one reason why we don't see rites of passage today was because we, we as parents, we sometimes we tend to think, well, that's the school's job, right? To, to do that kind of stuff. But in reality, a school is never gonna give your son a meaningful rite of passage that he can look back on and say, that was the moment that I became a man, right? So I think that's why we, as a society, don't have these rites of passage. And when you look at the societies that do have rites of passage, they're always these communities where the family is very strong, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Whether it's Aboriginal Australian society or tribes in Africa or in Brazil, it's these very tight-knit communities that that are still practicing this tradition.
0: Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it a lot as I read through your book and, you guys did an excellent job. The book's very good. I was thinking about it cause I live in a highly Hispanic culture where I live in central Washington. Yeah. And so I was, I was really, I started searching my brain. It's like, what do we, so young women in the Hispanic culture have a quinceanera mm-hmm. I believe 15, uh, and it's the coming of age. And I, I grew up around the area with that. And so like the first time I went to one, I mean, talk about it It is second only to a wedding. I mean, it is a yeah. spectacular event. And at the same time, my brain went, wow, well, I'm glad that's not my culture because the price on that is insane. And I have two daughters, but I was thinking about it right aside of a Jewish bar mitzvah or a quinceanera, I just, you don't see it very often in modern Western culture. And so it was like, Hmm what are we missing by taking these things out that used to be much more commonplace?
1: You know, I would say that the closest thing that we have in modern Western culture to a rite of passage is probably the sweet 16. Hmm. And there's a few reasons, and we talk about that in the book, but there's a few reasons why a sweet 16 party is not an actual rite of passage. Uh, For a for a real rite of passage to occur, there has to be three elements. There has to be the separation of the boy outside of his normal support system. So mm. he has to be removed from his regular day-to-day life. And then the second thing, there has to be a challenge, something for him to overcome, something for him to prove himself as a man. And then the third part is the reincorporation back into society. And Typically there's, you know, a big celebration, a party involved in it. And I would argue that a sweet 16, it has the the after party, the party element, but it doesn't have those first two elements. It doesn't have the withdrawing, pulling the boy out of his normal life. It doesn't have a challenge for him to overcome to prove himself as a man. So a sweet 16 is not really a rite of passage. It's definitely not a meaningful rite of passage because it doesn't it doesn't give a boy an event that says, that says that's when I became a man, you know, what boy would say, oh, my sweet sixteen party pool party was my rite of passage. That just, it doesn't happen today.
0: So you pinned this book with your father. How was that experience of doing this project together guys?
1: So yeah, my dad and I wrote the book together. It was really wonderful. You know, I, I've always had a really strong relationship with my dad, my dad, obviously organized my rite of passage for me when I was 13 years old. And that was something that helped us to grow together. Writing the book, I think, helped us to grow even closer. One reason why we wanted to do it was because we wanted to have both the father's and the son's perspective. So my dad wrote about why he wanted to hold a rite of passage for all of his sons and how this tradition got started. And then I write about what my rite of passage weekend was like as a 13 year old and some of the thoughts and the feelings going through my mind as my dad and my grandfather and my uncles were kind of sharing this advice about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good man. So writing the book together was, it was amazing.
0: Well, let's dive into a little bit of your dad's side here. Let's talk about the why behind why this started why why did your dad feel the need to build this rite of passage idea so
1: my dad actually grew up in a household without a father figure my dad between the ages of five years old and 17 he only visited his father three times so my paternal grandfather my dad's dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when my dad was five years old and he actually separated from my grandmother and moved down to Mexico where he could afford 24 hour healthcare because it's a lot cheaper down there. Unfortunately, you know, my dad, because of that, my dad really grew up without having a man in the house. And so when he grew up, he told himself, you know, I want to give my kids what I didn't have growing up. I want to give my kids a lifelong, an example of a lifelong loving marriage And I want to be a father who plays an active role in my son's lives. I don't want to be an absent father like my dad. So fast forward 20 years when my dad had, you know, the four of us boys. I have, I come from a family of four boys and my older brother was turning 13 years old. And my dad wanted to do something special for his birthday to mark his entrance into manhood you know my dad knew that the teenage years were not going to be easy and that teenage boys especially do crazy things but he thought you know if we can if we can connect with the boy if we can affirm his masculine identity and show how much he's loved in this family then maybe he won't feel the need to try to prove himself and do these crazy stunts as a teenager so my dad actually went to his father-in-law my maternal grandfather And he said, you know, I want to do something special for my son's 13th birthday, but I'm not really sure what to do. And it was my maternal grandfather who said, well, you know, in these other cultures, they have these rites of passage traditions. What if we came up with a Christian version of one of those? So that's really where they started to brainstorm. Well, what would that look like? What would a meaningful rite of passage look like for a Christian boy growing up in the early 2000s? And that's kind of how the weekend got started.
0: Okay, now you went through this process at 13. How did your own rite of impact, or rite of passage really impact you for the better? Like in hindsight, looking back today, what difference do you think that made for you?
1: Yeah, so I had a rite of passage when I was 13 years old. It was a weekend trip that involved my dad, my grandfather, and two of my uncles. And I think the way that my rite of passage benefited me was really twofold. For one, I was growing up, I was really confident in my masculine identity. And I don't mean to say that, you know, as a teenager, I had like huge biceps or a puffed up chest, like (laughs) I was a man at 13 years old. What, What I do mean to say is that anytime someone outside of the family, whether it was a teacher or another parent, you know, at Boy Scouts Anytime they kind of referred to me as a boy, like if the teacher of the class would say, boys, boys, settle down, then immediately the first thought in my mind was, I'm not a boy, I'm a man, because my dad told me, right? So I never questioned my status as a man. I never thought, you know, when when am I going to become a man? When is this going to kick in? And I didn't realize what a gift that was until probably my early 20s when I had a friend who was engaged and getting married. And I write about it in the book, how we had this interaction where we were actually doing some chores, we were doing some handiwork around his house some construction projects. And he kind of stopped me halfway through. And he was like, Steve, when was the first time you considered yourself to be a man? And I, I told him about this rite of passage weekend as a 13 year old. And he was like, wow, that's incredible. You know, and here he is engaged to a engaged to an awesome woman you know potentially having kids in the near future he has a job he has an awesome relationship with his parents you know and he's still questioning his identity as a man he's not sure if he's a man or he's a boy and it was that conversation with my friend in my early 20s when i realized wow this rite of passage was a real gift for me to to have this clear event in my in my mind that i can look back on and say you know, that's when manhood began for me. It wasn't wasn't prom night for me. It wasn't the, the day where my wife and I got married. It wasn't the birth of our daughter. For me, it was 13 years old when my dad and my grandfather told me that you are a man in this family. So I think the first way that it benefited me was I was always confident in my masculine identity. The second way that it benefited me was that I growing up, I really felt like I could talk to my dad, my grandfather and my uncles about anything, I felt very accepted and loved by this kind of tribe of men in my family. You know, one thing that kind of gets said during the weekend, inevitably is uh, from the men to the boy, they say, you know, we love you unconditionally, if you ever have questions or are going through kind of a tough spot in life, please come to us for advice, because we love you unconditionally, we have your best interests at heart. And more than likely, we've gone through whatever you're going through, we can help you. You know, as a 13 year old, during my rite of passage weekend, I was like, I just kind of shook my head up and down and said, thanks, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of it. But it really wasn't until I got into college where you know i started meeting people who were raised very different than me who had very different values than me and that made me really question the way that i was raised and my own beliefs and in college i was really concerned you know i was really i started to question my belief in god whether i believed in god or i wanted to practice the faith that my parents raised me in and i w- remember being very nervous to talk to my parents about about it because I wasn't sure how they would react if I told them, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in God anymore. I didn't want to disappoint them, right. Mm -hmm. But in college, I remembered back that 13 year old rite of passage weekend and how all the men said, if you have questions, if you're going through a tough time in life, please come to us for advice. We won't judge you. We will love you unconditionally. We have your best interests at heart. And that gave me the confidence the trust to go back to these guys to go back to my dad to go to my grandfather and say dad grandpa i'm not sure if i believe in god why do you believe in god you know and i think it was at that moment for a lot of people college is really kind of a make or break moment in your faith right mm-hmm. and it certainly was for me and i you know hindsight is 2020 but i would say if it wasn't for this rite of passage weekend there's a good chance that i would not be a practicing christian today without it
0: okay I love that it opened up the lines of communication in your family. That is a very difficult thing for young men to feel comfortable communicating with those in their family and and drawing that line in the sand because it really is, right? Your book had me thinking a lot. I, the wheels were just turning in my head like a hamster going nuts, man. As I was reading through the book, it was like, wow, we have really just kind of failed our young men because it is, right? there. There's all these different benchmarks of, Well, at 18, you can smoke and join the military at 17. You can join the military with your parents permission, but at 21, you can drink and do this, but at 25, you can do this, right? We, we have all these different benchmarks. it's like, but none of that actually tells them or affirms you are now a valuable member of society. You are now a man. It's time for you to stand on your own feet because you, you need that line in the sand too, right? We have too many. 27 year old still living at home, sucking off a mom and dad, because they were never told, Hey, you're a man. It's time to take that next step on your own. So y'all's book got me thinking a lot. Let's talk. Well, it's good. No, I was just going to
1: say, thank you. You know, it's true that I think today we're in general, we're not raising boys to be like virtuously masculine men and a big reason is that most men today have never been told by another man that you are a man and that manhood has begun. You know, Manhood has probably begun a long time ago for most of these guys. And because they've never been told that they're a man, then they essentially act like boys into their 20s and into their 30s, like you were talking about. So that's kind of the the beauty of a rite of passage is that it gives the boy a clear moment that he can look back on and say, That was the moment, that was the weekend that I became a man because that's when my dad told me that I was a man.
0: So let's talk milestone to manhood. This has become a full family event. I know according to your book, the women in the family help you guys prepare and get things in order and then help you celebrate also when you get home, right? They take part in recognizing that this young man has become a man. And, you know, that's that's an important part, is the young man gets that affirmation as well when he gets home that this weekend has changed his status. Mm -hmm. How many times, you said you're one of four brothers. How many times have y'all done this now? So, right, I'm one of
1: four brothers. So me and my brothers, we all got these rite of passage weekends. And then my male cousins did as well. So I have two younger male cousins. So for me, I had a rite of passage weekend that was organized for me. But also, once I became, you know, an official man of the family, I was eligible to be one of those male mentors to go along the weekends. So I had a rite of passage for myself that I experienced as a 13 year old. But I also attended four other rite of passage weekends for my two younger brothers, my two younger cousins. And I will say I'll add in that the women of the family, the girls did get a rite of passage weekend as well. So I don't have any sisters, but my Mm. girl cousins did get a rite of passage. So In total, there were 12 of these rite of passage weekends that we held as a family.
0: Yeah, y'all mentioned in the book that there might be a second book coming from the women's side of the family. I'm looking forward to that book as well because I have two daughters. So um, I'm looking forward to that second edition where the women in the family get focused on it and share that information. Because I I know, yeah, my wife is in the background saying, yes, please, We, we want that book. So you have at least a couple of people going, yes, please, Please do the follow-up on, you know, women, because I I think we're lacking in this. I think there's a lot of validity to this. Now, what do you notice just in the lives of young men outside of your family, maybe like family, friends and stuff, as opposed to you, the way you guys were raised with this, what, what are the immediate differences that you guys can see? Just contrasting, you said your family is different. That's something that you learned in college. I had that same experience. There was a point in my life where I started looking around at my friends' families and going, my former family isn't normal the the way we, Mm -hmm. because we're all very, very tight knit. My siblings are some of the closest people in the world to me, always have been, right? And I thought that was normal until I started hanging out with other people. But as you experience this and, you know, you guys have friends outside of the immediate family whose kids weren't put through this process, what do you, what do you notice the immediate differences in those young people? You know,
1: to be honest, it's tough to say, because I consider this rite of passage weekend to be a tool in the tool belt, right? Mm -hmm. The rite of passage weekend is not everything. I mean, as a father, you have to be a good example of what it means to be a man for your entire life, right? If Mm -hmm. you're objectively a bad example of a man, and then you hold one of these rite of passage weekends and are talking about virtuous manhood and what it means to be a man, then it really means nothing, right? so. I consider this weekend to be just one way that a father can help to break through to his son, you know, and to affirm him and to build him up. So I think that it's tough to compare because of that, because it is just one weekend. But I will say that, you know, in the absence of a rite of passage, boys feel the need to prove their manhood to themselves. And what that might look like, I would say is, the sexual conquest of women so you hear guys saying things like she made a man out of me right you, guys trying to sleep around and sexually conquesting conquering women to prove their manhood to themselves or it could be violence right joining a gang or getting into a fight when boys are fighting essentially they're trying to prove their manhood to themselves they're, they're saying if i can show physically dominate another man then I'm a better man than him right so in that way violence they're trying to prove their manhood to themselves or another you know really common one would be video game addictions right in a lot of video games you can literally go out and slay a dragon or kill a kill a terrorist you know that totally plays into the male ego of proving yourself as a warrior proving yourself as a man and you know I have nothing against video games but I am against video game addictions when, when you play video games to the point where you're getting your masculine identity, your identity is tied up to your video game character, then I think something has gone wrong. So in the absence of a rite of passage, boys will try to prove their manhood to themselves. And I think that was the difference for me having this weekend is that I had this weekend where my dad, my grandfather, my uncles told me, you are a man in this family. So as a teenager, I didn't feel like I had to prove my manhood to anybody else. Right? So I think that's probably the biggest difference between what our family did and other families who don't have this rite of passage for their kids.
0: Okay. I was asking just because you threw out the example of your friend at his wedding, right? Having to ask that question that in his head, apparently that was still a question and something he was still playing with. So I was wondering if you noticed any other areas where it's like, oh, this really divided this. Yeah. Now guys, we're gonna roll to one of our sponsors and we will be right back with more from Steven Arms. How well do you sleep at night? Do you toss and turn and wake up more tired than when you went to bed? Sleep is commonly one of the critical elements people fall short on in their life. The quality of sleep you get directly affects your ability to control your weight, your ability to add muscle, your stress levels, and your everyday job and life performance. If you're ready to move to the next level, and sleep has to be part of the plan. Check out our friends at ghostbed.com if you're ready to get your best sleep. I love my ghost bed. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years and has made a huge difference in how I sleep. Hit ghostbed.com and use the code thefallibleman30 to get 30% off your order and start getting better at night's sleep tomorrow. Now, let's go on to the show. Hey, welcome back. We're here with Stephen Arms discussing, is the Christian Rite of Passage a good idea for boys? Now. If you've missed the first part of the conversation, you absolutely have to go back through because we've covered a lot of ground and a lot of details. Steven and his family have had this personal experience that they're sharing with the world. Now, guys, the book is Milestone to Manhood. And we will have links, of course, to get that book into the website. So you can check that out. We want you to be able to find this book. Personally, I love the book. It was a great read. And man, it just got my head spinning but I don't want to go into too much detail about the book because I'd love for you to read it because until you actually go through it, like I'm not going to do it justice, but I wanted to touch a couple on a couple of things in the book, especially towards the end. So Stephen, how is life with your newly christened man post weekend? How does that change? It was an interesting transition in the book because life has to change, right? You can't say you're a man and then go back home and and life is the same. So how does that look?
1: Absolutely. So there kind of has to be a balanced approach for life after the weekend, you know, ultimately this new man is still a 13 year old, you know, so obviously it would not be appropriate to kick him out of the house, tell him to go get an apartment and a full time. It has to be a gradual approach, how you treat him as a man, but it is important to treat him differently after his rite of passage weekend, you know, Certainly, increasing responsibilities around the house is a good way to do that. I know for me and for my brothers, 13 years old was right around the time where we were physically big enough to push the lawnmower around. So that became one of our chores. And, you know, inevitably, whenever you increase the responsibilities, the chores for your kids, there's always going to be some resistance, right? They're not going to like it. But Having this rite of passage weekend gives fathers context to have those discussions with their sons, why increasing their responsibility is a good thing. So dads don't have to say something like, you need to mow the lawn now because I say so, right? That's just kind of a, a flex on your authority over him. But if you say something like, we want you to mow the lawn now because when you grow up, when you get married and have a family of your own, you're gonna have to mow the lawn because we're not, I'm not going to be there for you. So it's really a good thing for you to learn how to do this now, rather than learning in your 20s or in your 30s. Another really cool way that the boy was treated differently, after his rite of passage weekend, you know, in our family, whenever we gathered together for holidays, whether it was Christmas or Easter, you know, it was always a, a fairly large gathering. And so there were always two tables, you know, there was an adult table in one room, and then a kid's table in another. But once a boy or the or a girl went through one of these rite of passage weekends, they were they kind of graduated from the kids table into the adults table, you know, and they were, instead of having the conversation with the kids, they were engaged in conversation with the adults and whatever they were talking about over dinner. So that was one really cool kind of physical way to show, you know, you were no longer a boy or a girl, you've, graduated to manhood or to womanhood.
0: Now you guys have put together this, because I'm going to call the book more of a blueprint, right? You answered the whys, but then you laid out a very structured approach that y'all have found has been very effective for you. How does that translate to another father picking up this book? How is the best way to apply this book? Yeah, so we
1: realized, you know, Our family, having organized 12 of these Rite of Passage weekends before, we've really accumulated a lot of best practices, a lot of tribal knowledge, how to pull one of these weekends off. So the book is really a how-to guide for fathers who want to organize a Rite of Passage weekend for their own sons. And in that way, it's very much plug plug and play, right? We give you the exact steps, step-by-steps, the rituals that we went through in our Rite of Passage weekends. And, you know, certainly we would love it if if a father wanted to just adopt it straight out of the book and use all seven of the same rituals. But We also give guidance on how you might want to modify it for your own family. You know, if you have family traditions in your own family that you want to add into the weekend, we absolutely would encourage you to add it into the weekend and to make it your own. One thing I'd like to add for your audience is that on our website, milestone to manhood.com, we've actually put up some email templates for fathers to access. So if you're listening to this, and you have an 11 or 12 year old son, and you want to organize a rite of passage for him, you can just go to our website, there's a planning section. And you can there's five steps, you can literally go to it, copy the text from the website, and paste it into the body of an email for the men who you want to invite to go onto your Rite of Passage weekend with you and your son. And this weekend, this email explains what a Rite of Passage is, why you want to hold one for your son, and exactly the step-by-steps of the Rite of Passage weekend that our family did for the boys and girls. So, you know, we realized, you know, we have all this information. Why not give it to listeners for free? so that they can organize a rite of passage as easy as possible. One of the hardest parts is just explaining to people what a rite of passage is and why you want to do it. So we realized why don't we just give that to our listeners for free. We don't ask for your email address because we know, you know, a lot of guys don't want to be spammed these days. I totally get it. I don't want to either. So you literally just go to the website, copy these emails and paste them into the body of an email to send to your team.
0: Okay. That's awesome. I love that you guys leave room for customization, right? You had some really great ideas, but the fact that you leave room in there, say, Hey, this is what's been good for us, but you know, tweak this for your experiences, family it's, it's just incredible. Now, Steven, there are some guys out there right now who are listening, who are like, uh, mm, is this right for me? What are three questions our listeners should ask themselves to decide if this is something they should implement with their sons?
1: You know, I would say, if you're on the fence, if you're a father on the fence, thinking about whether you want to organize one of these weekends for your son or not, ultimately, you know, it's you're not doing this for yourself, you're doing this for your son, right? And the truth is, is that not all the responsibility is going to fall on your shoulders because you are gonna get other men involved to help to break through to, you know, certainly dads are the most important male role model in a boy's life, but around the age of 13, there's also this tension that develops between father and son, right? The, the boy doesn't necessarily want to listen to dad all the time. So that's really the beauty of getting other men involved, other men who are not his father. So I would say for one, you're, you're not doing this for yourself, you're doing this for your son. Number two is you're going to get a team of men involved. And three, really the benefit of it is that you are, by affirming your son's masculine identity, you are showing him that he does not have to prove his manhood to himself, right? Through rebelling, through doing dangerous stunts. And so that's what the, the benefit of the weekend for your son is that you're giving him a clear moment that he can look back on and say, that was the weekend when I became a man in my father's eyes.
0: Stephen, what is the most important takeaway you want people to hear from this show today?
1: The most important takeaway that I want people to take away from this show is that in the absence of a rite of passage, boys are gonna prove their manhood to themselves. And that's why it's every father's responsibility because he is the primary example of what it means to be a man in a boy's life. It's every father's responsibility to tell his son at the appropriate age, son, I just want you to know, I no longer consider you to be a boy, but in my eyes, I see you as a man now. And that if every father in this country did that for their sons, then this country and this world would be a much better place because boys would not need to prove their manhood to anybody else.
0: What's next for Stephen Arm? That's a
1: great question. What's next for me? My wife and I are expecting our third child this year, so that's definitely the biggest things. Thank you. That's definitely the biggest thing on our minds. That and just getting this idea of a rite of passage out into the world, sharing it with other families, so that they can benefit from the weekend in the same way that ours has. All
0: right. And guys, I will have a link to their website in the show notes and in the description. So you can find the book so you can go find those letters. We'll make sure you guys are hooked up with milestone to manhood.com. Also, if you go to our bookshelf on our library, on the website, you'll find a link to their book. If you are interested in getting this book as well, you can get it on their site. You can get it on Amazon, whatever is good for you guys. And that link will stay up there because I think this book has a lot of value. If you are a father looking and working on setting an example. And I'm assuming you are because you're listening to this show, right? And this is what we're all about here. So if this is what something you're looking for, I wholeheartedly recommend pick up a copy of this. I'm actually loading my copy to people. I'm like making a list of people I'm handing it to now that I'm done with it. Guys, I would highly encourage you to pick this up and consider this, whether you have boys or whether you have girls, because until we get the book for girls, you can actually change a lot of this over and, Ladies, you can pick it up too, because we have a lot of ladies that listen to this show and get the baseline for how you can do this with your daughters as well. Guys, give it a try. Trust, trust me, there, there are books you need to read. You should read this one. Steven, thank you for taking the time to be here with us today and to share with our audience. It's has great having you on. Guys, as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you on the next one. This
1: has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.